Chapter 16 of the romance novel Good Enough. This chapter is called Spaghetti Bolognese. Waking early on Monday morning, Eva faced into the second last week before her shop would open for business. Breakfast was a hurry bowl of bran cereal scattered with a handful of raisins and a splash of milk. After dropping the children to school, she called into the shop and met with the sign writer before heading off to the printer to look at sample business cards and packing materials. Lunch was a takeaway cappuccino and sandwich, followed by a two-hour meeting with the accountant. She did her best to focus as he attempted to guide her through all the administration required in managing staff. It seemed complicated and would bring with it additional paperwork, though he was recommending some kind of computer package that would make it all very easy, apparently. Bamboozled by the mention of payroll, PPS numbers and health and safety training, Eva didn't find it too difficult to tear herself away and go to collect the kids from school. She told them that she'd a surprise for them and soon pulled the jeep in just outside the shop. Well, what do you think? Eva asked, pointing up to the sign. Living and dining, etc. Luke read the beautifully scripted gold words slowly. It's beautiful, Mum. It's so pretty, Hannah enthused. Yeah, it's nice, Luke agreed. Eva knew that it was a lot more than nice and looked up in admiration. The sign writer had done a great job and the large decorative calligraphy filled in gold looked opulent against the deep plum background. Living and dining, etc. Eva read aloud and parked for a while, proudly watching as people noticed her sign. Elaine had been right on the mark with the name, but Eva had dropped stuff and swapped in, etc. And was delighted with the suggestiveness of it. It could suggest anything, and she hoped that curiosity would draw people in. Just then, her mobile pinged with a text message from the warehouse, informing her that a shipment had arrived from the US. She would have loved to have gone straight over, but instead had to do a quick grocery shop and go home to cook the kids' supper. While they did their homework, Eva went online and did a grocery shop, which she booked to arrive the following day. She also booked one for the week after that as well, and was beginning to feel very much in control. A soft beep from her laptop signalled an email, and when she saw Sebastian's name in the inbox, she felt a flutter of excitement. Sherry Va, I cannot believe that you have never skied. You are really missing something good. I leave for Camarack next week, and it will be a busy Christmas. I know you will be busy then too, but perhaps if you take a break, you would like to come with your children to ski. Miss you, ex Sebastian. Eva was loving this emailing lark. It was a bit like having a pen pal in primary school, but without the endless, endless wait between letters in the post. The thought of a skiing holiday holed up in a cosy ski lodge with snow outside, cosy fires, and Sebastian had her off in fantasy land until Hannah began to call her to come and check her maths homework. She hastily replied to Sebastian before shutting down her laptop. Dear Sebastian, I would certainly love to ski sometime, but I have already made arrangements to go to New York with the kids and my friend Elaine before Christmas. Maybe some other time. Have to go now, ex Eva. As soon as she had clicked send, she regretted it. Hannah called her again, so she headed downstairs and looked over her efforts at problem solving on her workbook.
Eva's mind was elsewhere as she thought about her email reply. It had been too blunt, and it wasn't one that encouraged a response. She could have at least have said, miss you too, or something. With homework finished, Eva made a cup of coffee for herself and started browning the mints for the spaghetti bolognese. Eva dished out their dinner into white ceramic pasta bowls that she'd bought ages ago. They were larger than cereal bowls and had the names of different types of pasta scripted in black around the edges. Thinking of the beautiful gold lettering of her scripted sign, living and dining, etc., lifted her spirits, and there was a huge satisfaction in having that job out of the way. She felt sure that people would be looking at it and wondering about it and what the shop would be like. That night when she tried to sleep, she kept thinking about her sign and envisaged herself wrapping some delicate Christmas decorations in plum-coloured tissue paper and tying it with gold ribbon. The first thing she thought of upon waking was her email to Sebastian. She considered writing him another one, but she didn't have time and put it off until later on. After the school run, Eva went to the warehouse to check out on the latest arrivals. The crates from France had been in storage for over a month now and were as yet unopened. And Eva was full of excitement as the storeman carefully prized one of the lids open with a crowbar. The packaging company had done an excellent job. Everything was carefully bubble wrapped and then protected with heaps of shredded paper. Eva carefully unwrapped one of the terracotta earthenware storage pots and admired it. Turning her attention to the newly arrived US shipment, it turned out to be the order from Ipswich. She had almost forgotten what she had chosen as the freshness of the blue and white range of pottery was unwrapped. There were three big boxes of two-toned candles in various shapes and sizes, with variations in colours, with pinks blending with creams and beiges with caramels. Would she really be able to sell so many, she wondered. Next emerged the seagulls made from porcelain, pebbles and seashells, which brought back memories of the trip with Elaine. Thankfully, she had only ordered 30 of those and now wondered what she had been thinking when she had selected them. They wouldn't appeal to everyone's taste, but might add a humorous or quirky touch to a corner of a bathroom. Everything was in from Paris and the south of France, but the orders from Newburyport, Plymouth and Nantucket in the US had all yet to arrive. These were all separate orders, but surely they couldn't be much longer now that the Ipswich order had arrived. Time seemed to be slipping away, and with staff due to begin work stocking shelves the following Monday, Eva had just a few more days left to be ready for them. The shop fitters were well on top of things though, and as well as fitting out the units in the shop, they had supplied a business PC broadband ready with an efficient backup system, two computerized cash chills with connections for car payments, and had installed both a water cooler and a coffee maker. Eva spent Wednesday morning with PR Guy viewing the flyers he was planning to distribute over the following week and making some alterations to the ads to be placed in the newspaper and online. PR Guy hadn't really commented one way or another on the name, and she was a bit disappointed by that. Maybe his nose was out of joint that she hadn't gone with one of their suggestions, or was it that he thought it was a crap name? He was happy, however, that with the outlay for the adverts agreed on, they would be submitted for printing and publishing in plenty of time. He had warned her that their positioning on the page was paramount, as they could easily be shoved into some obscure corner if it wasn't in on time. Image was everything he kept reminding her. 
as if she didn't know. Although it did give her food for thought after she left their meeting and started to think about whether or not the staff should wear uniforms. Maybe a black t-shirt or a shirt with a logo would look good. Uniforms were not in the budget, but with her staff numbers being so small, how expensive could it be? She returned home and added uniforms to the list and then spent an hour scrolling websites and making phone calls and appointments to view samples. Thursday saw another shipment arrive from the US, this time from Newburyport. The yak fiber wall hangings and rugs were even more stunning than she had remembered. Eva pulled out one of the wall hangings and ran her fingers over it. Yak fiber, she had learned, was almost as soft and luxurious as cashmere. They blended it with silk to give it sheen and elasticity, and once it was dyed, it could be used to make almost anything. Eva didn't pull anything else out of the crates. She just didn't have time, but everything was there. The matte prints and the bronze sculptures that she had carefully chosen were all nestled together waiting to be put on display. This shipment was extremely valuable and would probably be the most expensive merchandise that she would carry. It would need to sell. Eva spent the remainder of the afternoon being trained in on the till system, with the card payment facility being the most pernickety part of it. Flopping into bed on Friday evening after spending most of the day with her accountant, she was absolutely exhausted. This was one of Alan's actual agreed weekends with the children, so it would be a relatively quiet one for Eva, as he had picked them up straight from school. Her head was spinning, though, and tired as she was, she found it impossible to sleep. She thought about the final week that lay ahead before the opening. Her new staff would be due to start on Monday morning, and Eva had arranged training on the tills for them first thing. But after that, she would need all hands on deck to be ready for opening the following Saturday. She tried a bit of yoga breathing to calm herself down. Lying in the dark, she began to think about Alan and her replacement. It made her feel nauseous. As much as she was disgusted with him not wanting to spend all the time he could with their kids, she resented his new life and she still missed him. It hurt her now more than ever, thinking that he had cheated on her. The fact that other people knew about it, while she had been happily oblivious, made her feel really foolish and humiliated. More than that, though, it hurt that he was now with someone he found more attractive and more interesting. She had been discarded without a second thought. She pictured her children, now in a strange house, and tears streamed down her face. They should be here in our house now, with us. She'd always thought of her marriage as forever, and Alan as the love of her life. He was the one she had fallen in love with, and now he didn't love her back. Not anymore. When did that die, she wondered. When did he stop loving me? Thinking of the two of them physically hurt her heart, and that familiar prickling feeling came from behind her eyes again, as warm tears traced a path across her cheeks and down onto her neck. Once again, she was a hot, snivelling mess. It was almost six months now since Alan had left, and Eva had yet to meet her replacement. Eva had never gone to collect the kids at Alan's new house, and he had never brought her over when collecting or dropping off the kids. So she had to paint a picture from the tidbits of descriptions she got from Daniel, but his description didn't yield much. She knew she had brown hair and was tall and sallow, and she was younger, of course. Daniel had once sent he could show her a picture on his phone, but Eva said no, she just couldn't look at it. Tossing and turning as she tried to find sleep, 
Eva's feelings changed from feeling sad to feeling humiliated and then to being angry. She tried yoga breathing again. No joy. So much for an early night, she thought, as she padded downstairs to the kitchen in fleece pyjamas and fluffy slippers and made herself a hot chocolate. The house was eerily quiet. Eva sat down and listened as she dunked a chocolate hobnob biscuit into her cup of hot chocolate. The large black wooden framed clock ticked melodically on the kitchen wall. Eva looked around. All the finishing touches were hers and she loved to just sit there and admire her things. The carefully chosen pair of oil on canvas paintings had taken ages to find and she had come across them for sale on the walls of a small restaurant. She loved her home and could never see herself leaving it. The ticking of the clock started to annoy her, so she put on a CD and sat back to listen for a while. Songs seemed to mean more to her now that she was on her own. Humming along, she got lost in the lyrics for a while, until eventually getting tired of feeling heartbroken and alone, she changed the music to something more cheerful. At three o'clock in the morning, Eva was sitting in her living room still awake. She turned off the music, switched on the TV instead, and dimmed the lamps. Curling up on one of the armchairs, she pulled a full fur throw over herself. Warm and cosy, slumber found her eventually, as she struggled to keep her eyes open to watch an old James Stewart movie. Heading to the gym as soon as she woke on Saturday morning, Eva gathered her thoughts as she ran the treadmill. The anticipation of seeing the ad for her shop in the newspaper was so exciting. Yes, the online campaign was going to start off too, but Eva was more of a hard copy girl. Of all the newspapers that were struggling with circulation numbers, the examiner, especially the one with the weekend supplements, was one that still did well. She planned the day ahead and promised herself not to do too much. Picking up the paper on the way home, she must have stared at the ad for her shop for at least half an hour. Vivian called her to say she had seen it and how good it looked. So did her mother-in-law and Daniel, but Alan didn't call at all. Inevitably, Eva ended up at the shop in the afternoon. She just couldn't stay away. It was completely kitted out now with wall-mounted shelves and freestanding floor units all painted white and waiting to be filled. The tills too stood empty but full of promise. What was it going to feel like to see the first notes being exchanged and the first parcels being wrapped. One of the small rooms at the back of the store housed a compact desk for the computer and printer, with cupboards to hold packaging materials and stationery. There was also a coffee maker sitting neatly on a shelf above a little table, with a comfortable bench seat for lunch and coffee breaks. Space was tight for staff facilities, with a small loo right at the back, but with walls painted white it all looked fresh and bright. The other little room was completely fitted out with shelves and would be used to store some backup stock. Locking up and setting the alarm, Eva left her empty shop, glancing back to admire the rich gleam of the floorboards contrasted against the matte slate slabs just inside the door. It looked really well and Eva couldn't wait to start filling it. On Sunday, Eva set about doing the housework first thing after breakfast. She threw on a wash and then started to clean. With the kids out of the way, she got through it without interruption. She vacuumed from top to bottom, dusted, cleaned bathrooms, changed beds and washed the kitchen floor. After cleaning the house, she showered and dressed comfortably in a sage green Lucy Nagel cashmere lounge suit, a 
and browsed through the papers for a while before tackling some ironing and getting the laundry sorted for the week ahead. With an hour to go before the kids would return home and with the house well under control, she browsed the internet for a while and checked out some websites for interior design stores. Targeted ads for her shop had been placed and were due to begin popping up on Facebook and Instagram. Checking on her email, there was nothing of significance in the inbox. She wished Sebastian would write or message her or something. No wonder, she thought to herself, as she read the last email she had sent. It had hardly been encouraging. She abandoned email to start looking into the New York trip. She looked up flights and shopping packages. She could book everything directly herself. Or there were some reasonably priced shopping weekends available with a new company running packages direct from Shannon to New York. That would suit her perfectly. She picked out some suitable dates and emailed Elaine to see if any would work for her. She also sent the details to Vivian in case she was interested in joining them. Sorely tempted to email Sebastian again, but deciding against it, she switched off the laptop and went to make coffee before the kids returned home. Sitting in her kitchen, her thoughts turned once again to Sebastian. He liked her. She knew that much. But how could there be anything more to it than that? It was just too complicated. Even if she did go to visit him, or he came to see her, where could it go from there? Maybe she should just try to forget about him. Monday began as usual, with making the school lunches before calling the kids for breakfast. And while they ate, she showered and carefully picked out what she would wear for the day. She chose a crisp white cotton shirt and wore it with dark denim bootcut jeans with high-heeled black leather ankle boots. She wanted to look elegant and professional when she met her staff, but she didn't want to look stiff or unfriendly either, and her clothes had to be practical for the whizzing around that she'd be doing for the day. She arrived at the store after the school run to see her two new staff members waiting outside. Must get keys sorted, she was added to a mental list of things to do. The staff training on the tills was straightforward, as both had used similar machines before. And 11am saw them all having their first staff meeting as Eva brewed up coffee and gave them some options about the uniform. She listened to their preferences before they settled on a short-sleeved polo shirt in a deep plum colour, with living and dining etc. to be embroidered in gold thread. They all agreed they would team it with either a plain black skirt and tights or black trousers, or black denim jeans, but they had to look smart, nothing baggy or scruffy looking. Maggie was the older of the two, and Eva assigned her the title of assistant manager, with Michelle reporting to her. Maggie was in her early 40s, with two teenage children and plenty of time on her hands now. She had worked over the years in a department store in the city, and prior to that, had held a part-time position in an interiors store, so she knew the ropes already. With a sleek black bob, she had the look of a practical woman who knew what she was about. Michelle, on the other hand, was in her early 20s, perma-tanned, with blonde hair worn in a high ponytail. She epitomised all that was youthful and optimistic. At noon, the courier arrived from the warehouse with the first large crate and manoeuvred it through the double doors of the shop. Maggie and Michelle set about carefully emptying it, unwrapping each item and placing them in one corner of the store. Eva left them to it while she went off to order the plum-coloured polo shirts. When she returned at half past three, 
Maggie, the new assistant manager, was working on her own. Eva panicked as she asked where Michelle was gone and was relieved when Maggie informed her she was on a late lunch. Maggie had taken lunch herself from half past one until half past two and now Michelle was gone and due back in another half an hour. Eva was delighted to see that Maggie was taking charge and showing initiative but couldn't help secretly asking herself what did they need a full hour for when they could just grab a sandwich and take out cappuccino like she did. That, she reminded herself, was the difference between being the employer and the employee. They had rights and entitlements and they would have to be respected. 5.30 arrived and they said their goodbyes. They had managed to get through opening all of the French shipment and as Eva looked at it all, she realised that there was far too much there. The shop would be full of if all of it was put on display, leaving no room for anything else. At least half of it would have to be rewrapped and put back into storage. She needed to get some advice on how to store items more efficiently in the warehouse, so it would be easy to select what was needed in the future. All of Tuesday morning had to be spent carefully rewrapping and packing half of the French merchandise back into smaller boxes and carefully itemising the contents and quantities in each box before they were sent back into storage. In the meantime, another shipment had arrived from the States. This time it was from Nantucket. Eva locked up the shop and brought the two staff up with her to visit the warehouse and to get a feel for where stock was being stored and how it was being controlled. Maggie, in particular, would need to build a relationship with the warehouse manager and the couriers, as she would be the one dealing with the stock issues and deliveries from time to time. Eva opened the first box to reveal salt and pepper cellar sets, 25 pairs, each in blue, red and white. They should sell, Eva hoped. They were practical, yet smart looking, and could make a useful gift. As she opened a large crate, she wondered what she had been thinking when she had ordered 40 beach chairs as they were now in the middle of autumn. Instead of bringing entire crates down to the store, they decided to go through stock as it arrived into the warehouse and break it down into smaller boxes there. They would need to carefully maintain an inventory of what was in each box and what was on display in the store. This was proving to be a lot more tedious than Eva had envisaged. Maggie suggested putting everything on a computerized database and Eva looked at her like she was speaking in riddles. Eva had to admit, that she was a newcomer to the computer world and hadn't a clue how you would go about setting up a database or what it would do for you. She also wasn't about to take on the cost of hiring a computer consultant to do so. Maggie quickly assured her that it would be straightforward enough and that she could manage it as she used to take care of stock control in her last job using a simple spreadsheet package that was already on the shop system. The women got to work and remained in the warehouse unpacking, sorting, repacking and writing lists. As they added an item to a list, they then labelled boxes appropriately for ease of identification later. Eva left them to it and headed off to collect stationery supplies and packaging materials. The samples were beautiful. Sheets of plum-coloured tissue paper and wrapping paper contrasted beautifully with rolls of gold ribbon. There were rolls of gold stickers with the name and address of the store for closing parcels and big plum-coloured carrier bags were embellished with living and dining, etc., in gold-scripted lettering. They were nearly too beautiful to be used. Eva hadn't a clue how many to order, but the bigger the order, the higher the discount, so she took her chances and ordered what she hoped would last for six months. 
On return, Eva picked up Michelle and Maggie from the warehouse and brought them back down to the shop. Neither of them had cars, which meant Eva would have to ferry them to and fro or pay for taxis every time they needed to visit the warehouse. Eva was now also finding herself in a bit of a pickle with the childminding arrangements too. Basically, she had none. Helen, the local teenage babysitter, was gone back to school, which meant that this was the second day in a row that Eva had to pick the kids up and bring them with her to the store. They didn't seem to mind and kept busy doing their homework in the back office and then messing around on the computer. It was only for a couple of hours, but it couldn't continue like that. She couldn't really be in the shop working while the kids were in the back office and she was sure the novelty would soon wear off for them too. Again, Maggie and Michelle vanished on the dot of 5.30 and at the end of their second day of work, Eva looked around at the slowly filling shelves. Reluctantly, she locked up and headed home with the children. She would have loved to have stayed on and put in some more hours of unwrapping, but that wasn't an option. At home, an overwhelming tiredness hit her and she made the mistake of sitting on the couch from where she subsequently could not move. Her period must have been due or something because she felt completely wiped out and the kids were driving her nuts. Hannah had scribbled on a drawing of Luke's for his homework and there was murder. He thumped her, she pulled his hair and Hannah ended up bawling crying. Trying to get on top of the situation, Eva called them both into the kitchen where Hannah reported that Luke had called her an effing B word. The Judas of the family received a swift kick to the ankle from her older sibling and you'd have sworn that one of her legs was dangling off such was the wailing high-pitched cry. Eva felt her own temper rising and sent them off to the rooms to cool down before she lost it. She contemplated serving them up a jam sandwich and sending them to bed, but instead she turned around to cook a stir fry and tried to drown out their bickering with the sizzling of the pan. There was no let up between the two of them and she could hear them still at each other upstairs. Their humour didn't improve when she called them for their tea and the squabbling elevated until Eva turned around to them and shouted, would you ever effing shut up, putting all her venom into the F word. Silence descended for a full minute. Luke just stared at her and eventually Hannah piped up. That's a bad word, mummy. Yes, I know it is. I shouldn't have said it, but ye are just wrecking my head. In reality, she was glad she had said it. A bit of shocked peace and quiet was all she wanted and for them to just be quiet for a while. The three of them ate their stir fry in relative silence, each of them a bit sore with at least one of their dining companions. Deciding on an early night for all of them met with protest, but Eva reminded them that Hannah had wrecked Luke's homework and Luke had used bad language. You did too, mum, Hannah reminded her, like a stinging conscience. Yes, I know I did, and I'm sorry, so I'm going to go to bed now too. Eva sighed with fake regret. <laughs>